What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Do you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rose, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out BlueWirePods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. Three on one. Bagley the step. Bagley with the dunk. And you can put it in the book. There it is. Buddy Hale alone at the top of the Kings record book. Oh, I like this. The Fox scores five in the open court. Fox into the lane. Oh, you don't like that. You don't like Kings basketball. Oh. Welcome back to another episode of the Kings Pulse Podcast. My name is Brendan Nunez. Got Rich Ivanowski on here as we usually do. What's going on, Rich? How you doing, man? I'm doing good, and I've got some great news to share with you. I um, ate some Lucky Charms this week, and they're fantastic. They are, yes. Yes. They might be the best cereal out there. I mean, it, definitely elite. Elite, huh? Yeah, I mean, I would have to agree. I'm glad you think so. And you said, I mean, this wasn't your first time, right? Like, you just said it had been quite a while. It had been so long that I couldn't remember what they tasted like, um, like childhood, probably. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely up there with Lucky Charms as well. It's uh, so it's it's the combination of the marshmallows and the, what do you even call the normal bits in there? Just the extras. So I thought I used to refer to them as filler because I thought they'd be bad, and they're not. Like they're frosted, and I didn't know yeah. that. But it's yeah. kind of like it's not the same texture, or it's not the like the the same shape as a frosted flake. But it's got that sort of flavor mm-hmm. element. Right, right. Yeah, it, it's definitely more than filler. It's a good bit right there. Wow, and yeah, it soaks you... a little bit, like not like a fruity pebble, which I prefer still, I think, and but way more than a fruit loop, which I think is garbage. And like the marshmallows don't soak, but you need them, like, it goes well with the milk. You need it to get a little bit, a little bit of something to it. Yeah, and they keep their consistency when they're wet for the most part. The marshmallows, that is. It's fantastic. Yeah, it definitely is. It definitely is. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I, I, you know, I was just trying to spend time thinking of a transition from, these Frosted Flakes to De'Aaron Fox, like, they needed some sort of Fox Marshmallow or something in there. There was no obvious one. Do you have one? Um, I don't have one, but maybe we can go to this next topic. Have you seen – why don't you check your text messages? <laughs> I'm just kidding. This is the ugliest pizza I've ever seen in my life. What are your thoughts on this pizza? Tell people what this pizza is. So it looks like rather than marinara spread, you have broccoli spread. <laughs> there may be something underneath it. Um, and then, yeah, you got some, some red onion on top and tomato as well. So this thing, is, there's a real lack of cheese on this pizza. 
There is no cheese, but there's marinara. It's like a normal dough, marinara, and then it's just lettuce, tomatoes, and onions. Oh, it's lettuce. It's not broccoli. Yeah, it's like it's like burger mm-hmm. toppings on a marinara right slice. Right. See, the thing is, is uh, I'm uh, I used to be a plain burger guy. I was super plain Jane like that. And I just could never get with tomatoes. I can do the the lettuce and onion here, but it's not what I'm looking for with a pizza. It's I don't really one of your weird ones. Is this is this your picture? Did you? No, eat? no. Okay. I just saw this on Twitter earlier today, and I would not enjoy this. Uh, no, no. Um, Salad on bread. Yeah, and I'm not like a tomato guy either. When you say plain Jane, are you going like hamburger over cheeseburger? No, 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 no. Like, I, I consider cheese as part of a plane, which I guess it technically isn't. But, no, I'm definitely putting cheese on my burger. And what about sauces? I can't do ketchup because it's there's tomato. Like, I can't do anything with too much tomato. I think we've talked about this. Like, I could do red sauce, and that's about the only tomato that I'm really, like, comfortable with. So when um, you have a burger, it's like you're you're getting that burger dry. If I'm making the burger, like, I'll put mayonnaise or ranch. Um, but most places don't give you that option. Interesting. You're talking well, about like fast food places. Yeah. I would say that the best transition I can come up with is that maybe Darren Fox has the most sauce of any player <laughs> on the King's roster. There you go. He definitely does. And, um, yeah, I, I think that's definitely the place to start. We've talked – we've heard Head of the Snake used over and over. And, I mean – one of the first strengths of Darren, obviously ridiculous speed. This dude is running his ass off. He is the uh, self-claimed fastest player in the league. And I believe in that GM uh, poll, GM players and all that poll that they do over the offseason, Darren did beat Westbrook on that. So self-claimed and backed up by uh, a good group for sure. Um, And obviously he's gotten a lot better at utilizing that speed rather than just being full top gear 100% of the time. Yeah, speed is definitely probably the first thing you think of with Fox, but it wouldn't mean anything if he didn't have the handles and the court vision to utilize it, and he does. He definitely does. Right, and he pointed to passing this offseason as an area he really wanted to improve in, and I I think we've seen that happen. He's 18th in the league in assists per game with 6.8, and he's 11th in the league in per 36 passing. I think that we've really been able to see that jump happen, and he's leading the team in passing as well and assists per game pretty substantially. I, I think that he is very clearly the best playmaker on this team, and Sacramento has really needed that from him. He's been able to use his gravity of driving to the rim, and the shot is is decent for him at times. I mean, I think he really has a – the shot is the weakness, but he, he's really progressing into a fairly well-rounded offensive player. Yeah, he is. I mean, so he's the floor general of this team. He's the leader of the team. I think that it's pretty undeniable that he's the, the best and most valuable player on the team. Yeah. Um, and one thing that I've really enjoyed seeing is watching his usage spike. And he has it's gone up a lot. Um, his rookie year around 23%, sophomore year around 23%, and it's up around 29% in 2019-20. Uh, and I think that's what we kind of needed. And 
it would be a different story if his efficiency were falling off with that increased usage, but his true shooting is up. Um, effective field goal percentage is up. It's interesting because, like, you, I mean, even his assist percentage is up. But it's interesting because you say that um, the shot has, is an issue, and it did fall off a lot. Um, it went right back to his rookie year percentage, the three-point shot, from 30.7 as a rookie to 37.1 as a sophomore, back down exactly to 30.7 in his third year. But interestingly, his overall field goal percentage has has gone up every year. It's a really impressive 47.5. And this is what maybe stood out to me the most. His percentage on twos is extraordinary. Um, he made 52.3% of his two-point attempts this season. Wow. Yeah, cleaning the glass has 63% of his attempts at the rim, and his mid-range improved this year as well. Um, I, I mean, yeah, I, I think that Fox is definitely becoming extremely capable in that area. Um, he's already there, like you're saying. And also, I, I put out a tweet from the KP account today asking the most underrated skill of any king, and uh, Tim was very quick to point out Fox's free throw shooting and, or his capabilities of getting to the line and said that he was tied with James Harden in regards to shooting foul percentage, how often their attempts end in them getting a shooting foul and ending up at the free throw line. And, yeah, Jimmy Butler's above him and Giannis as well. And then Fox is right there neck and neck with James Harden and DeMar DeRozan in the amount of times he's able to get to the line. Um, And the free throw percentage definitely could use some work there, 70%. But I think that, you know, you get that up a little bit higher, 5% isn't asking all too much. And I think that you become really respectable at that point. But, yeah, finishing um, combined with, I mean, using this speed and change of speed and the threat of finishing as a way to get to the line as well, I think is a huge part of Fox's game. Yeah, absolutely. He is getting to his spots more and more each year. I've been really impressed that his like the percentage of his shots that he takes uh, at the rim, like you mentioned, going up and up and up. Um, the percentage of long twos are going way down. He took 20% of his shots as a fre- uh, as a rookie uh, like outside of 16 feet, but inside of the three-point line, and that's down to just 4%. Wow. Yeah. Um, so he's getting to the spots, right? And then I actually looked up, so I wanted to know, for guards, for a point guard, that's like not even particularly like a large point He's a He's a pretty small, he's a very much a true point guard. Um, and mm-hmm. two-point percentage should not be that high for most point guards. I looked up... Um, Every guard that took at least 500 shots attempted 500 twos this season uh, and sorted them by two-point percentage. And really, among true point guards, he's probably it, – it depends on who you're going to count here, but it's really just Chris Paul that's been ahead of him. And can you say what that was in again? Um, two-point percentage. So attempts okay. attempts on – like. Pers- uh, sorry, yeah, it's not a good way to explain that. Uh, shooting percentage on twos. Okay. Got it. Yeah, and obviously Chris Paul is just the top tier there, one of the guys that you're still, you know, everybody points at these analytics, everybody. It's the Mori ball. You want to shoot at the rim and three-pointers, but when you're effective in the mid-range, I mean, coaches and players and teams are not going to have a problem with you pulling that 
and Fox has definitely progressed into that. Um, and, and he needs to have that mid-range if the three ball is not going to be a, a crazy threat right now. I, I think that teams, you know, I, I think he is doing a good job of punishing guys that are going under for the most part. Um, but but that three-point respect still isn't quite there. So just guys keeping them honest by being able to knock down a mid-range or and then obviously finishing as a part of that as well. I, I think this mid-range game is really important for Fox right now as a little bit of spacing and giving him opportunities to blow past guys. Yeah, I think he's one skill away from being a superstar. If, if he had yeah. – if he could shoot 38, 39, 40% from three – which is a lot to ask, but if he did have like a 38% consistent two-point shot, I think he just would be an out-and-out superstar. Yeah, in February, um, over 10 games, he had 37.8%. I mean, he's definitely had stretches of it. Um, I don't recall exactly which game it was recently. It may have been the Toronto one, which was that the most recent one before closing? I believe it was. He had a, um, a couple threes from the left wing. I think there was a big step back one. So, I mean, he's definitely shown some promise there. Um, like you mentioned, sophomore year, 37% from three. Um, there's definitely potential there. I don't think he'll ever be a high-volume guy necessarily. But, yeah, like you're saying, enough to keep him honest. And I would agree. I think that in itself takes him to an offensive superstar. And, I mean, he's already a 20-point-per-game guy with nearly seven assists here. And I think he does pretty well on the defensive end as well. And the free throw shooting, I mean, is going to lead to consistency, I think. As long as he's able to get a decent free throw percentage, which he's not far off from being decent there where you're really comfortable with him, you know, um, that it's, allows you to be consistent. It's You may be giving, giving him a little too much credit. I, I think you might be letting him off a little bit easy. Um, most of the season he was under 70% in the free throw line. Um, just barely got it above it with some strong play towards the end of the season before pre-hiatus. And, yeah, but, like, it's not unrealistic to think that if they played the season out, he could finish, you know, in the 60s, which is not right. good at all. Yeah, that that's fair. And I guess if he's on the line at the end of games, would I feel comfortable with him knocking down both? I definitely would have um, my hesitations there, so... Yeah, I probably am giving him a little bit too much credit there, but I still think being able to get to the line and his percentage not being horrendous is going to lead. You know, he's getting four points a night from the free throw line at very east, at very least um, around there, and, and I just think that that speaks to some consistency that he'll be able to keep up, and then the passing and playmaking will be there as well. And the on-off, uh, Sacramento is much better with Fox on the floor, obviously offensively, nearly plus five points per um, possession, points per 100 possessions, and the effective field goal percentage goes up about 3% per cleaning the glass. The offense is clearly benefiting from Fox being out there. Two po- uh, turnover percentage goes down 2%. Obviously, they're handling the ball very well with Fox mainly being the one doing that during his minutes out there. Um, yeah, I mean, I would agree with you. Really one thing away, and it, even it doesn't need to become elite three-point shooting, I think, the free throw percentage and three-point percentage just step up a little bit, and he's knocking on the door of a superstar, like you're saying. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. 
From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. If you're missing the NFL, it's no problem. Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. All open 24 hours a day and all online. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. Bet Online, your online wagering solution. Yeah, what about his defense? What are your feelings on his defense? I'm really split, to be honest. Um, the team gets worse with him out there defensively in regards to on-off. I mean, you do have, like, Corey Joseph replacing him, who is a very good defender. But I, I think that his his on-ball is nice. I think he does a good job of fighting through screens. His off-ball worries me in certain aspects because – I think that when he's digging down low, like if the opposing team is posting up and Fox's uh, weak side or the help man, which he often is in post-ups, I think he's absolutely phenomenal at digging in on guys and sneaking up on them and getting these steals and stuff. So I, I worry a little bit that Fox could be one of these highlight defenders that isn't great play-to-play. Um, I, I just... I've been reevaluating it this year on how good he really is defensively because I was very high on him. It's, I'm probably sounding like I'm down on him. I, I don't think that's the case at all. I mean, I think he's a positive defender, but I, I just have some hesitations, um, mainly I would think looking at these numbers that obviously he's not on a Corey Joseph level. Um, so I, I'm a little I'm a little hesitant to fully buy into him being a, a great defender. No, definitely. I I definitely agree with you. Um, I don't think he's a great defender. I wonder if he's going to get caught in this kind of situation where there's a lot of lead guards or, like, lead players on uh, not-so-great teams that they take up – like, I talked about the usage going up and how how important I thought that was in a step towards being a superstar, but – a lot of superstars on poor teams can't afford to be high usage on offense and then give 100% every defensive possession. I wonder if he's going to get caught in that, caught in the grist with, like, the Devin Bookers of the world. I think that he definitely is going to. Um, the question may be more so, like, how much that impacts him because I think if he – was obviously not carrying this load, that he would be a much better defender if he could, like you're saying, exert most of his effort on that end. Um, and, and that pretty much means, you know, in the, in the clutch moments of games, I trust Fox's defense enough, obviously, to have him out there and being able to make stops on some of the best point guards in the league, at least make things difficult for him at the end. Um, but I, I think you're definitely going to see that that happen. And also, I mean, we're, we're talking, we've talked before on how he kind of just needs to put on a little bit of weight. I think it would help him on the offensive end in regards to finishing, even though he's doing well there. But the defensive end, I think that's where he's going to be able to get taken advantage of a little bit at times. Yeah, I think that he's going to, I mean, I think Westbrook isn't a bad comparison for Fox on some levels. And he was a really, really good, really strong, impactful defender early in his career. And it eventually just becomes like it makes more sense for him to go all out on offense, and and it, you know that became 
an, an extreme version of this where you just watch him stop caring at all on defense. But yeah. if Fox kind of starts to go down that road, it's troublesome because I think that he could be a very good defender in a team that, you know, like if the right. team around him was very good, I think that he would be – I mean, there's no question that he could be a part of a great defensive team. Yeah, I would agree with that for sure. Um, and, yeah, and I think we've seen his – his backup do that, and it doesn't quite look the same as it has in Sacramento because they're not on that level of a defensive team. Um, but, yeah, the Westbrook comp, I mean, that is kind of what worries me a little bit. Like you said, Westbrook, I mean, the, the effort levels, I, I don't anticipate them getting that low for Fox necessarily on the defensive end, but it, it's those highlight plays that I feel like Westbrook makes on defense where he's jumping passing lanes, and, you know, yeah. you'll get that one out of two, three times, and it looks great, but when you don't get it, you're just completely out of the play. Um, and I don't think Fox does that much, but that would be my worry. Right. I mean, if he's on that trajectory, it's, like, very, very early in that arc, and, right. like, you know, any, anything could change. But, but, yeah, it is interesting. I mean, I was going through the synergy profile for the team on defense, and of the major players on the team of the top ten um, in terms of, like, possessions defended, he gave up the most points per possession. Um, he was in 18th, the 18th percentile overall on defense, and that's the worst of any significant player on the team. Well, yeah, all year the defensive numbers have not been very kind to him, and I mean, I think he is uh, guilty of getting blown past, and obviously there hasn't been the rim protection, amazingly, for Sacramento this year for a while. They were giving up the highest percentage of the rim there. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I think he's he's definitely guilty of of allowing opposing defenses some buckets that are on his behalf. Um, yeah, I, I think we've definitely seen that throughout the year. And, I, and like I said, I think he'll get better. Um, but I, I starting this year, I have had more questions with his defense than I felt like I did before. So... In terms of putting a dollar, I mean, you'd, uh, I mean, it's the max. Right? I literally wrote he could ask for part ownership of the team if he wants. Like, it's not mine to give away, but he can ask for whatever he wants here. Yeah, um, it's definitely the most that – there's <laughs> no number that I would decline. I mean, yeah, it's the max. do you do we want to go over the max and, like, talk about, like, hypothetical number? I mean, it is the max. Uh, I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think we need to put an exact number. It, it is the max, whatever he asks for. Uh, he's the, I mean, they keep saying it, the head of the snake. I I think he's the reason that you're able to have a lot of hope with this team. And when you talk about a future, it's De'Aaron Fox and Marvin Bagley, but that has a big asterisk on it now. (laughs) Right. And Um, then whatever he wants. Grading his season. Oh, um, I mean, he's, he's really done great, especially since the turn of the year. You know, um, and, and that's where you've kind of seen Fox been able to take this other jump and not being healthy for about, for a while with that ankle sprain. I guess, it, I mean, it hurts. I, I'd have to say just a little above average. I mean, we haven't been giving plus or minuses. It'd probably be like a B plus, but I'll go with B on this one, I think. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Yeah, I, I'm definitely comfortable with that. Okay. Yeah, I think that one's uh, that one's simple enough. And then you talked about a guy that's a great cog in a def- in, that can be a cog in a great defense as a potential for De'Aaron Fox. And I think we saw Corey Joseph do that 
at times this year, but mainly in Indiana and then a bit in Toronto earlier in his career, San Antonio as well. I feel like that's a, this is a guy who really does that well um, and, and just plays his role. You know, he's a low-usage guy, um, and you're just getting defense and playmaking when he does have the ball in his hands. He can he can hit some threes at times when you need him to. You know, I think um, also in that tweet someone pointed out that Corey Joseph has been shooting over 40% in February or um, in 2020. So you're getting low usage shooting. You can kind of do a little bit of everything. And if you need him to, he can step into a starting spot sometimes. Um, where do you want to start with Sacramento's backup point guard, Corey Joseph, here? So I'll start with contrasting him against Fox and some of the stuff that I mentioned with him. Um, so I've told you 18th percentile Fox was on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, and Joseph is 58th which is pretty darn good for for a point guard um, and second highest on the team of significant minutes. Uh, Rashawn Holmes was the best in that category. Um, Joseph is number two, and that kind of makes sense. And then I'll also contrast them using uh, ESPN's real plus minus, um, their defensive plus minus. So Joseph, uh, or Fox rather, finished uh, 66th in defensive real plus minus, and Corey Joseph is 14th among point guards. Yeah, I I think Joseph's defense has been in question a little bit this year. I've seen around, um, and I I think he's just a fundamental guy. He's he's not going to shut anyone down, I don't think, by himself, but he's just going to do the right things of shading guys away from the middle and communicating well on defense. Um, with, with his bigs that he's working with there as well and anyone else. I, I think that he's not a highlight player on defense. Aside from there is times where, you know, he does seem to be two steps ahead of the play and is able to get in the way of a drop-off pass or something like that and be a little bit disruptive. But for the most part, you're just getting fundamental defense. And then on offense, he – I was going to say he doesn't really take any bad shots – but there is those mid-rangers that he does seem to like, but most of the time I felt like they were coming in some bailout situations, um, which you don't quite prefer. You know, he has been guilty of dribbling around a little bit too much and then kind of pulling that mid-range. But for the most part, he's just going to kind of fit in where you need him to. And one of the biggest things for me with Joseph was that he's fourth on the team this year in total minutes played. Um, and, And just being available that even though you are the clear backup to what we've said was the most valuable player on the team, he's a player completely capable of stepping into the starting position when when he's been needed. And for that reason, I mean, we've called him one of the best backups in the league as well. Yeah, I would actually take issue with – so, like, I mean, I, I agree with what you're saying. Like, when he needs to step up into the starting role because of injury, he can. but. Um, I I don't think he's a starter starting caliber point guard. Like over the summer, last summer when we were talking about free agent point guards, I argued that I thought that Joseph could start for like a Phoenix or something like right. that, like a um, Orlando or you know just a team that needed like the 29th or 30th best starting point guard in the league. Um, and I think that there's there are different skill sets being a starter and being a backup. I think he would be a very poor starting point guard and a very, very, very good backup point guard. 
Um, and I think a lot of that goes down to usage. So like if you are effective on incredibly low usage, that's probably what you want in a backup point guard. Uh, and he is. Um, so I told you Fox's usage was 29%. What do you think Corey Joseph's usage was this year? Um, I did see that it's pretty low. Are we talking like 16%? 12.8. 12. That's like one of the lowest usages I've ever Whoa. seen from a yeah. player that's played that many minutes. Wow. Yeah, and, you know, that works well with Sacramento because obviously the second unit, like you're talking about, um, usually you'll have some sort of feature guy in it, and maybe you do want a low-usage point guard. For Sacramento, it's been Buddy Hill or Bogdan Bogdanovich. You have one of those guys out there, even a Harry Giles, or you'll see Barnes get staggered into that unit. Um, Kent Bazemore has the ball in his hands pretty often, so that low usage fits really well for Sacramento. It fits great. Um, yeah, I mean, we needed – some low usage players coming in. We hoped that's what Deadman would be. Um, obviously, you need to be efficient in that low usage too, and Deadman was not that. But yeah, I mean, I don't think that the Kings went into free agency thinking we need to get another high usage player. Um, right. They wanted to get a bunch of low usage guys that would be effective and would make sense in those roles. And they had some some swings and misses, um, but Joseph was, it wasn't like a home run or anything, but like that's a solid base hit. Like you got a guy that can do what you needed. Right. And it wasn't necessarily first choice. Like I believe that Patrick Beverly was an option for them that I probably would have preferred a little more, but it, you know, you're really just talking about shooting, I guess there. Um, and yeah, again, I mean, like you said, this is, there were ones that they struck out on signings this offseason, and Corey Joseph definitely seems like the most solid one, even if I think you would agree they probably overpaid for him a little bit here. Yeah. It, it's still – it is value to this team for sure, and I, I see why they why they um, gave him the contract that he did, and I take no issue with it. I, I think that it's it's a fine deal for Joseph. I think it's fine too. Like, I think it's – it's, I'm not going to have any issue with anyone that calls it an overpay, but I don't think that it's – I think it was just that Sacramento tax, right? Yeah, that's exactly where I'm at with it. And it's very similar to, like, the Barnes restructuring or right. which is signing. Yeah. Which I feel like it's yeah. just a saying, like, it is a slight overpay, but it, it's enough that it's – it's small enough that it's justifiable, right? Yeah, I mean, what's crazy is we go on, like, if you guys want to hear how we feel about everyone's contracts, you can go back and listen to the – like ranking the assets of on the Kings roster, and we really didn't have anyone with a bad contract. Like there, you know, there are very few great contracts. I think like Rashawn Holmes, and then these two guys on rookie scales. But outside of that, like the only there's no really monstrous contract. I think we actually had Corey Joseph as the worst contract on the whole team, and we don't really have a problem with it. Yeah, yeah, we may have it. I'm sure people think of the Barnes one, but obviously we've defended that that deal a lot with. Um, yeah, we don't need to get into Barnes. Done that before, but um, but we yeah, did. I, I mean, that, that's interesting, right? We had Corey Joseph as the worst asset, like the most really negative did. asset, yeah. and he still doesn't feel like significantly negative. Right. Um, yeah, you mentioned the whole I, – I think that he is better than some starters in the league, but he's not preferred as a starter, that's for sure. Um, and, and it's more than you want to pay a backup. 
But this is just a hole that Sacramento clearly needed to fill going into this offseason. And this is one of the best guys being available to do it. Um, so, yeah, I, I see why people could think that this is uh, too much for him, but I, I think this is finally valued. And I think it makes our uh, our player option number interesting here, considering next year Corey Joseph is on the books for $12.6 million. Um, I mean, you got to go higher than that, right? Well, I want to I want to talk about the offense a little bit. I I think that you were really smart to say that the bad shots that he takes are bailouts, like they are end of the shot clock. Like yeah. he just kind of has to take those shots. Um, you know, you also mentioned that his three point percentage took a little uptick, uh, but it's also worth noting that he's he's this borderline non-functional offensively yeah. than I think like a useful player can be in the league. I will mention just to contrast the defensive RPM numbers we gave out earlier, um, the offensive real plus minus numbers. Uh, so Fox was 14th of all point guards. And where do you think Joseph was on that list? Oh man. I mean, how many are on the list? <laughs> yeah. No, he was, um, he's literally dead last 93. Out of wow. Point guards. Wow. Dead last. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. I mean, part of the low usage is that you're not, I mean, you don't want the ball in his hands really for the most part. Like I, I will say his assist to turnover is usually pretty good. I believe last year he might've even been third, fourth, something like that. He was high up in uh, assist to turnover, but yeah, you're not going to get many mistakes necessarily on the offensive end, but you're right. There is this borderline unplayable because, you know, we talked about that nice three-point percentage again on a super low usage. Like he had one game, I believe it was against the Clippers. Everybody was making their shots. He made four or five of them, and that's probably a good amount of that percentage right there. He had a nice little hot streak. Most yeah. of the time you're not getting that from Corey Joseph. Um, and, yeah, like, I mean, I guess he'll have some decent – cuts here and there but for the most part he's not going to be spacing your floor at all and when you run it through him he doesn't quite have the offensive threat himself in order to have a gravity to make plays for others um so he he definitely has his issues on the offensive end but I, I think with the other playmakers Sacramento has um and I think they have a good amount of him they they make it work with him out there offensively even if he does maybe um lower the the ceiling of an offense when he's out there a little bit. Well, he's just a role player. Like, you know, I mean, he can right. be a really, really good role player, but the way his offense is, he can't be more than a role player. Right. And, and there's something to be said about knowing your role, at very least. You know, I, I think yeah. having that low usage and just realizing that you're not going to be facilitating the offense, even if you are the, the point technically out there um I think there is something to that so yeah you're right I mean he's definitely a super low usage guy and you don't ask too much of him and I would say he kind of met expectations offensively since it was already such a low bar yeah I think that we weren't ready for how how low the bar was like I didn't watch a ton of Corey Joseph before he came to Sacramento and I was surprised at how little he was giving us there. But, yeah, when you do go back and look at uh, how he played in Indiana and Toronto and San Antonio, it's never been his thing. I think it was a little bit lower um, than even in those places. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. Let's do a grade first this time. 
Yeah, I feel like this one's just a C for me. I, I think this is just about what I expected for Corey Joseph. Um, and, yeah, he didn't blow me away in either way. There were moments when I was impressed, and it probably would even be a C-. minus. It was a little less than I expected, but we're not doing plus minuses. This is just about on par with me. I would agree. I, I think a flat C is, is legit. I w- just like throwing out one other thing. He did shoot very well from the free throw line, even though he never, ever got there. Um, so mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter. But, um, yeah, like 83% was a almost a career high for him. He came off a 69% year in Indiana. But, again, the volume is so low, it doesn't really tell you much. Right, right. So in, in regards to the the money here, if this $12.6 million he had next year was a player option, do you pick it up? Man, this is one of the tougher ones. It's close. It, we said that it's a slight negative, but that's also kind of reflecting the league's opinion on it mm-hmm. or, or, like, what that contract would mean to the average team where the Kings don't have – you know, they do have the essentially Sacramento tax. I don't know. You said that you would go higher than 12.5? I would. It's not much, but I would. And, I mean, kind of accounting where else are you going to spend this money, you know? I, I, like, they don't – the Kings aren't really in a situation to be doing that. There are guys that I think are around that money in this offseason that would be interesting, but Sacramento doesn't quite have a way of getting them. You know, like a Chris Dunn, uh, Jeff Teague, Bryn Forbes. Um, but, I, I mean, there is an argument that Corey Joseph is the best of those. I don't know. Um, who who do we have? On, so this is our last position. The only guy we haven't done yet is Yogi. Who do we have like around this number? Because I think we did Holmes at like fifteen, maybe. Did we? You know, I gotta find this again because I which, don't have it in front of me. Which might be low considering how generous we've been towards other players since then. Um, I think we did twenty for Bagley, seven and a half for Giles. This I don't know that we have anyone like around this number. It might be Holmes, might be the closest. Yeah, I did originally write 13 for Joseph, which is pretty much his number here. But for the most part, we've been doing round numbers, so I'd moved it up to 15, acting like that's a round number. Um, oh, that's round. I would uh, go. <laughs> I would probably go 10 before I go 15. Okay, I just felt like. When I looked at next year's and had the question I presented to you, would you turn down his option next year? I don't think I would. I mean, it's it's silly to nitpick like the the one hundred thousand dollars, but I want to. I, I would rather put the number at the twelve point five because it's it's our semi round number for mm-hmm. that range. And I think fifteen million for Corey Joseph is a bit much. It I think does. that's I, that's yeah. like starter money. I would agree. Yeah, I, I, I'm fine with that 12.5 because, yeah, it is. I mean, I would accept this, but if it was sitting at 15, it probably would be too much. Um, yeah, I haven't posted. Do you think that the team, like the organization, would would just let him go if they could get out of their con- get out of this contract completely right now, considering that it's 12.6 <laughs> and then a then a minimum guarantee the next year? Hmm, that's an interesting question. I don't think so um no I I don't think so I I mean it's not really over the next two years like I I don't think it's the biggest impact and I think he is 
helping you win. I mean, your goal is the eighth seed. I think Joseph helps you get there, you know. Like, who are you replacing him with as your backup? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Um, I really don't know. I have not looked into this upcoming Frasier class as much as as much as past years because of this. We don't like. We don't even know when it's all going to start and stuff. Like around this time, normally I'd be deep in it. Right. Like, um, like Emmanuel Moutier, Michael Carter Williams. I do know that it's weak. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know here. I'm pulling up a list right now. And like, I mean, I mean, you're pretty much talking minimum guys, right? Like, if you're looking for a replacement, considering what Sacramento has to work with. Minimum guys. I mean, Tim Frazier, Raul Neto. <laughs> would you go out like? What if you could get Jeff Teague for half that, for or for half of fifteen? So like, right? Would you rather take Kojo for twelve point five or like a one year seven million for Teague? Maybe right. it's probably Teague. And and you know if we're talking Maybe. identical money to Chris Dunn, I'm one hundred percent throwing it to Chris Dunn. Wow, you'd go, you'd go identical. Yeah, well, that's interesting. It's, it's younger in the same type of player to me. Like Chris, yeah. more of a, um, more of a liability on offense. He gives you nothing. Kojo, like I said, I mean, he's not gonna turn it over too much. Yeah. Like, kind of playmake. You get nothing from Chris on offense right now, but it could develop into something. And it's a younger guy. It's a younger guy. I agree. I'd rather have Dunn, but I don't think Dunn's getting like twelve point six. No, yeah, I don't either. I don't either. Uh, would you go after Avery Bradley? I know you are fond of that man. Yeah. Um, T.J. McConnell? T.J. McConnell feels like a good, maybe a better player for cheaper. You think he's better than uh, than Kojo? Uh, I mean, it's close. I mean, it's like, I, so McConnell was on a 3.5 million this year, mm-hmm. and he, I think he played himself higher than that. I think he'll get like a five or six million dollar deal, but maybe not outright better, but better for the money. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of view TJ as a third string point, I think. Yeah, he has kind of become a second. I guess, like, yeah, I mean, you're talking me into it a little bit here because you look at, like, a Bryn Forbes. I mean, I will definitely take Bryn Forbes. You know, decent defense. He's going to hit a three as well. Sure. Um, Yeah, so, I, I mean, I would take other guys at the same money. But, like, hmm, yeah. So, are you feeling lower than this 12.5 now? It's no, I think I'm okay with it because you really need someone there. Like having right. just a garbage backup point guard is a disaster. Also, it could so, be the 12th pick, by the way. That's interesting. It'd be really interesting to use your your lottery pick on the position that you have like the best player at already. But right. But yeah, I, I mean, there is like them, you know, yeah. it's so thick with point guards. Right. Well. Yeah. Right. If like a. Cole Anthony falls to you, I mean, Halliburton or something, you know. I would love for Cole Anthony to fall. Right. And, you know, seems maybe possible. Yeah. Um, uh, but, yeah, no, I, I'm good with the 12.5 here for Kojo as a backup that, you know, has capabilities of stepping into a starting when you need him to. I'm okay with that, too. We may need to bump up for Sean Holmes if, if they're yeah. on the same level. But then again, like, yeah, the center – the center market is just suppressed. So yeah, it's okay. true. I'll, I'll, I'll stop. Uh, I'll stop nitpicking, and we can proceed with twelve point five. Okay. And then, uh, how do you want to deal with uh, Yogi Ferrell here? Didn't I don't have much. To, I don't have much to say. I like him, and I think. I think my whole thing with him is he's a shooting guard in a small point guard's body. Like mm-hmm. 
he's probably 5'10", and uh, <laughs> right. he's a really – I think he's a really useful, like, spark plug, has a really useful set of microwave scoring type of – well, more like shooting, spark pluggy type off-ball guard. Yeah. But with the size, it's just – is it guaranteed it is, money? It is what it is. Is it guaranteed money? Yeah, yeah. I think I would do like a guaranteed minimum. Okay. Yeah, I put minimum as well. Um, at the same time, like, I wouldn't be upset turning down a minimum necessarily. Um, but I'd pick it up, I guess, mainly for the sake of Sacramento seems to like him, and I do think he's a very capable third stringer. Um, you know, I, I also wouldn't mind if we were talking uh, someone to replace him like a – I mean, who could you look at here? Uh, like we said, Tim Frazier, Raul Neto maybe. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't think that you lose Yogi, um, it, like if he's, you know, paying me this minimum or I'm out. Like I have no issues if he's out of here. You know, I think you can get a totally replaceable third-string point guard fairly easily. But, yeah, I, I had the minimum here as well. Yeah, I think that's I, – I think that's um, – yeah, that works. I mean, he's probably – would you put him in that, like – that like Costa Cufos, like we're down with having you around for the minimum, but yeah. if you'd rather go elsewhere, overseas or whatever, like that's all good. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Doesn't have to lose him, but I guess I'd rather have him around as long as we're not. There's not much cost to it. Would you rather try to cycle through like younger free agents, like um, like uh, I don't know. Yeah, some of the guys you mentioned are like Mike, Michael Carter Williams or something. Kobo is really young. Yeah, I, I probably would. Yeah. I mean, if you have an option to pick up a young guy, you know, yeah, maybe there is a G League guy you want to take a fly on if you're feeling good about Kyle Guy and see him as maybe able to step into this role. I'd rather you try a young guy yeah. because Yogi Ferrell has pretty much no chance of being part of the future. And maybe, you know, you can find a guy that happens to blow into a um, plausible backup one that takes that place once Kojo leaves. So I'd rather go to a young guy for sure. Yeah, it would be, like, a minimum, but, like, it would also be, like, a low-priority deal where you say, like, we'd love to have you back at a minimum, you know, if we can't find some, a better option to replace you with. Like, right. let us get back to you at the, like, <laughs> at the end of the free agency period. If you haven't – we want you to go find a better deal. If you don't, like, we'll, you know, we'll right. touch base again. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you know, Sacramento gets to keep their, their fun little chance in stadium. Yeah, but yeah, that's uh, that's all I got here, man. De'Aaron Fox can have whatever he wants. I'm good with 12 and a half for Kojo and Yogi. Yeah, we'll throw a minimum. Yeah. Oh, um, oh we didn't get trades for uh, oh, for, for Yogi, or just for Yogi. Yeah, I mean, I don't. It's a C incomplete. I don't know what to even. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Um, any any overall observations about we did everybody now, did all positions, did all? Uh, you just kind of touched on it. I think, like, our lower value of centers because Rashawn Holmes, we've said, is the most valuable guy, but well, we had three, four guys um, in payment above him, you know? Um, yeah. But I think that's just kind of how centers are. I think as much as we've loved Holmes, there is a level of replaceability with him compared to Harrison Barnes. Yeah, it's yeah. I think he, so. He got like, the sixth most money from our the way that we counted it. Even though he's probably, I don't know, um, second, third best player. Yeah, he's definitely better than Bagley at the moment. Yeah, but then that could change within a year or two. Right, right. Um, but yeah, no. I mean, 
for the most part, I, I think that this was somewhat how we expected it. Um, I, I think, like, yeah, just pointing to the low value on, like, a, a Baysmore that we think obviously is replaceable, Len, and um, and then um, the one we just were talking about, Holmes, as well, that there is some replaceability there as well, um, even though those are guys that I think we've seen the fan base and myself as well and just anyone watching in general get a little bit attached to those guys. But, yeah, there's definitely ways that they could be um, – replaced on this team and just replaceable talent throughout the league really yeah agreed yeah I just looked at Yogi's numbers on the year and I, I didn't even like really care to look because it was just a small sample but the field goal percentage is terrible three-point percentage is terrible he might he might just be I'm shocked that he says he, it says he played in 44 games yeah it is shocking and I think a lot of that is straight up garbage time and then even in garbage time, you got to hit 30% of your leads or else you're probably going to lose your job. Right, right. Or, you know, even 40% from the field might have been nice. But, yeah, yeah, it's what it is. Third stringer, um, body minutes here and there. Um, But, yeah, I think think that's all I got here, man. And we're going to have to get creative for these next episodes. That's it. I would love to do some draft stuff. Oh, I am very down for that. It'll give me a reason to do a little bit more research, too. Hell yeah. All right. Um, well, that's going to do it for this episode of the King's Pulse Podcast. Thank you to everybody for listening, and you'll hear from us again in the next couple of days. I have pen fed, that's a fact. I have pen fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. So I think that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's Power Cash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, friggins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA.